64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor, SF Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today, we look at breath, the new science of a lost art by James Nestor. In this video, we look at a text that explains the science behind proper breathing and how we can transform our lungs and our lives melds the personal, the historical, and the scientific, and it will inspire you. Transformative book that changes how you think about your body and your mind. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. There are as many ways to breathe as there are foods to eat, said one female instructor who had held her breath for more than eight minutes and once dived below 300 feet. And each way we breathe will affect our bodies in different ways. Another diver said, some methods of breathing will nourish our brains while others will kill neurons. Some will make us healthy while others will hasten our death. People told crazy stories about how they breathed in ways that expanded the size of their lungs by 30% or more. They told stories about an Indian doctor who lost several pounds by simply changing the way he inhaled. And about another man who was injected with the bacterial endotoxin E. coli, then breathed in a rhythmic pattern to stimulate his immune system and destroyed the toxins within minutes. They told us about women who put their cancers into remission and monks who could melt circles in the snow around their bare bodies over a period of several hours. To some, it all sounded nuts. Researchers were also showing that many modern maladies, asthma, anxiety, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, psoriasis, and more could either be reduced or reversed by simply changing the way we inhale and exhale. Yes, 
breathing in different patterns really can influence our body weight and overall health. Yes, how we breathe really does affect the size and function of our lungs. Yes, breathing allows us to hack into our own nervous system, control our immune response, and restore our health. Yes, changing how we breathe will help us live longer. No matter what we eat, how much we exercise, how resilient our genes are, how skinny or young or wise we are, none of it will matter unless we are breathing correctly. The missing pillar in health is breath. It is where it all starts. We assume at our peril that breathing is a passive action, just something that we do. Breathe, live, stop breathing, die. But breathing is not binary. And the more I immersed myself into this subject, the more personally invested I felt about sharing this basic truth. We first need to understand the ways the body makes energy from air and from food. There are two options with oxygen, process known as aerobic respiration. And without it, which is called anaerobic respiration. Anaerobic energy is generated only with glucose, a simple sugar. And it is quicker and easier for our bodies to access. It's kind of a backup system and a turbo boost when the body doesn't have enough oxygen. But anaerobic energy is inefficient and it can be toxic, creating an excess of lactic acid. The nausea, muscle weakness, and sweating you experience after you have pushed it too hard at the gym is the feeling of anaerobic overload. This process explains why the first few minutes of an intense workout are often so miserable. Our lungs and our respiratory system haven't caught up to supply the oxygen our bodies need. And so the body has to use anaerobic respiration. This also explains why after we have warmed up, exercise feels easier. The body has switched from anaerobic to aerobic respiration. Essentially, anaerobic energy is like a muscle car. It is fast and it is responsive for quick trips, but it's polluting and impractical for long hauls. This is why aerobic respiration is so important. When we run our cells aerobically with oxygen, we gain some 16 times more energy, efficiency over anaerobic. The key for exercise and for the rest of life is to stay in that energy efficient, clean burning, oxygen eating aerobic zone for the vast majority of time during exercise and at all times during rest. 
finding the best heart rate for exercise is easy. Subtract your age from 180. The result is the maximum your body can withstand to stay in the aerobic state. Working together, the different areas of the turbinates will feed, clean, slow, and pressurize air so that the lungs can extract more oxygen with each breath. This is why nasal breathing is far more healthy and efficient than breathing through the mouth. As Nayak explains, the nose is the silent warrior, the gatekeeper of our bodies, pharmacist to our minds, and weatherwane to our emotions. The magic of the nose and its healing powers wasn't lost on the ancients. Around 1500 BCE, the Ebers Papyrus, one of the oldest medical texts ever discovered, offered a description of how nostrils were supposed to feed air to the heart and the lungs, not the mouth. A thousand years later, Genesis 2 7 described how the Lord God poured man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul, a Chinese Taoist text from the 8th century AD noted that the nose was the heavenly door and that breath must be taken in through it. Never do otherwise, the text warned for breath would be in danger and illness would set in. But it wasn't until the 19th century that the Western population ever considered the glories of nasal breathing. It happened thanks to an adventurous artist and a researcher named George Catlin. Normally, the blood coursing through our arteries and veins at any one time does a full circle once a minute, an average of 2,000 gallons of blood a day. This regular and consistent blood flow is essential to delivering fresh, oxygenated blood to cells and removing waste. Now, what influences much of the speed and strength of the circulation is the thoracic pump. The name for the pressure that builds inside the chest when we breathe. As we inhale, negative pressure draws blood into the heart. As we exhale, blood shoots back out into the body and lungs, where it recirculates. It's similar to the wave the ocean comes into the flow and then into the beach and then floods out. Now, the pump, this, the muscle that sits beneath the lungs, is a diaphragm in the shape of a, an umbrella. The diaphragm lifts during exhalation, which shrinks the lungs, then it drops back down to expand them during exhalation. This up and down movement occurs when some 50,000 times a day, a typical adult 
It engages as little as 10% of the range of the diaphragm when breathing, which overburdens the heart, elevates blood pressure, and causes a rash of circulatory problems. Extending those breaths to 50 to 70% of the diaphragm's capacity will ease cardiovascular stress and allow the body to work more efficiently. And for this reason, the diaphragm is sometimes referred to as the second heart, because it does not only beat to its own rhythm, but it also affects the rate and strength of the heartbeat. What many of the doctors found that we'll also discover much later is that the best way to prevent many chronic health problems, improve athletic performance, and extend longevity was to focus on how we breathe, specifically to balance oxygen and carbon dioxide levels in the body. Now, to do this, we need to learn how to inhale and exhale slowly. Nature function, functions in order of magnitude. Mammals with the lowest resting heart rates live the longest. And it is no coincidence that these are consistently the same mammals that breathe the slowest. The only way to retain a slow resting heart rate is with slow breaths. This is true for baboons and bison, as it is for blue whales and for us. By various means, in various ways, in various eras of human history, all these palmonauts discovered the same. They discovered that the optimum amount of air we should take in at rest per minute is 5.5 liters. The optimal breathing rate is 5.5 breaths per minute. That's 5.5 seconds inhale and 5.5 seconds exhales. This is the perfect breath. Asthmatics, Olympians, emphysemics. And almost anyone, anywhere, can benefit from breathing this way for even a few minutes a day, much longer if possible, to inhale and exhale in a way which feeds our bodies just the right amount of air at just the right time to perform at peak capacity. Then about 300 years ago, these maladies went viral. Suddenly, all at once, much of the world's population began to suffer. Their mouths shrank, faces grew flatter, and sinuses got plugged. The morphological changes to the human head that had occurred up to this point, that lowering of the larynx and clog our throats, the expansion of our brains that lengthened our faces, all these were negligible compared to the sudden shift our ancestors adapted to those gradual changes just fine. But 
the change is triggered by the rapid industrialization of farmed foods were severely damaging. Within just a few generations of eating this stuff, modern humans became the worst breathers in Homo history. The worst breathers in the animal kingdom. Breathing as it happens is more than just a biochemical or a physical act. It is more than just moving the diaphragm downward and sucking in air to feed hungry cells and remove wastes. The tens of billions of molecules we bring into our bodies with every breath also serve a more subtle but equally important role. They influence nearly every internal organ, telling them when to turn on and off. They affect heart rate, digestion, moods, attitudes, when we feel aroused, and when we feel nauseated. Breathing is a power switch to a vast network called the autonomic nervous system. There are two sections of this system, and they serve opposite functions. Each is essential to our well-being. When we're breathing too slowly and carbon dioxide levels rise, the central chemoreceptors monitor these changes and they send alarm signals to the brain, telling our lungs to breathe faster and more deeply. When we are breathing too quickly, these chemoreceptors direct the body to breathe more slowly to increase carbon dioxide levels. This is how our bodies determine how fast we breathe. Not by the amount of oxygen, but by the, by the level of carbon dioxide. Chemoreception is one of the most fundamental functions of life. When the first aerobic life forms evolved two and a half billion years ago, they had to sense carbon dioxide to avoid it. The chemoreception that developed paused up and passed up through bacteria to more complex life. It's what stimulates this suffocating feeling you just felt holding your breath. Open a book or a website or an article or an Instagram feed on yoga and chances are you will see the word prana which translates to life force or vital energy. Prana is basically an ancient theory of atoms. The concrete in your driveway, the clothes on your body, the spouse clanking dishes in your kitchen, they're all made of swirling atomic bits. It is energy. It is prana. The concept of prana was first documented around the same time in India and in China some 3,000 years ago, and became the bedrock of medicine. The Chinese called it qi, and believed the body contained channels that functioned like prana power lines connecting organs and tissues. The Japanese had their own name for prana, ki, as did the Greeks, numa, Hebrews, rua, irokes, orenda, and so on. Different names, same premise. The more prana someone has, the more alive it is. Should this flow of energy ever become blocked, the body would shut down and sickness would follow. 
If we lose so much prana that we cannot support basic body functions, well, we die. As I breathe a little faster, go a little deeper, the names of all these techniques I had explored over the past years all come back in a rush. Pranayama, buteko, coherent breathing, hyperventilation, breathing coordination, holotropic breathwork, adhama, madhyama, utama, kevala, embryonic breath, harmonizing breath, the breath by the master great nothing, tumo, sudarshan kriya. The names may have changed over the years, but the techniques may have been repurposed and repackaged in different cultures at different times for different reasons. But they were never lost. They have been inside us all this time, just waiting to be tacked. They give us the means to stretch our lungs and strengthen our bodies, boost blood flow, balance our minds and moods, and excite the electrons in our molecules to sleep better, to run faster, to swim deeper, to live longer, and even further. They offer a mystery and magic of life that unfolds a little more with every new breath we take. Carol Stowe spent a half a century reminding his students of how to get all the air out of the lungs to be able to take more air in. He trained his clients to exhale longer and in the process do what had long been considered biologically impossible. Emphysemics reported almost total recovery from their incurable conditions. Opera singers gained more resonance and tone in their voices. Asthmatics no longer suffered from attacks, and Olympian sprinters went on to win gold medals. As basic as this sounds, full exhalations are seldom practiced. Most of us engage only a small fraction of our total lung capacity with each breath, requiring us to do more and get less. One of the first steps in healthy breathing is to extend these breaths, to move the diaphragm up and down a bit more, and to get air out of us before taking a new one in. The difference in breathing in the coordinated pattern and in an altered pattern is the difference between operating at peak efficiency and just getting along. Stout wrote in the 1960s, an engine does not have to be in tip-top condition to work, but it gives better performance if it is. And there you have it, breath, the new science of the lost art. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too. Spread the word. Do leave a comment 
and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So you buy it and you read and you never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test to my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.